0: Welcome back to the round table. Um, Only got Brian with me returning. Got three new people. Um, Kirk, you know, everybody thinks he has a terrible taste in the uh, movies. I also agree sometimes, but we'll see tonight. Uh, We got Tim that loves every movie that's ever been created and hardly hates any and refuses to use half stars. And then Jake. um, Yeah, if you're watching top 100 scenes, I don't know if he likes them. But we'll see what he picks and what he brings to the table tonight. Um, Brian, you're back. How you feeling? You excited um, to I am do also race? considered to
1: have very horrible taste in this community, uh, but strangely sure. very different than Kirk, so I'm not quite sure how that works. There. Um, Kirk, I kind of insulted you. That was kind of rude to welcome you to the show and then
0: insult you. Yeah. But it's kind of how our friendship no is at this point. Um, you beat me in a match, and I'm still <laughs> pissed about it. Uh, if you can't tell, um, uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm excited to have you on. Um, I- I've told people you don't have terrible. Really, you don't have terrible taste. Your three and a halfs are people's five stars. Like that's just how it is. Like, and I think that's the best way to look at it. So, how do you think? How do you are you excited for the show? Blah blah blah.
2: Yeah. Um. You know, we scheduled this a month ago. I didn't realize the Steelers were playing the late game tonight. That's okay. I can miss it. At least I'll miss the first half. That's what, I can live with that. Um, but no, I'm ex- I'm excited to be on. Uh, when you announced you are doing the show, um, I was kind of set up for like the proto episode that never happened, the lost episode. Um, so I'm glad you finally got me on, so we can you know at least see how it goes.
0: The only one missing from that first episode was the person that couldn't make this episode. His name's Scott Harvard. Um Tim, uh, love lover of all films. Yes. Uh, see more, more. Uh, you've seen Lord of the Rings probably more times than I've seen some like movies. Yeah. So, uh,
3: how how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Uh, I just got done watching the the Lord of the Rings TV show. Actually, right before this, uh, I still have one episode left. But Maggie and I were binging it and watching it. So me and Bucky are here to talk about some movies tonight. We're excited. And
0: um, to hit our quota of, like, one person from not the United States, um, Jake, Jake, um, uh, hopefully we'll get the Australian viewers And uh, from, the, you know, we got RRR, so we'll see what we can do. Hoping spring carries from last episode and now Australia. Okay. How do you think you're going to do tonight? Um, oh, not how you're going to do, but how are you? Like, yeah, that's Sorry, not This is not YLS. <laughs> so what was your question? How are you? How are you doing?
4: I'm doing well, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I watched the last movie uh, last night, or my last night, so twelve hours ago. So I feel ready and uh, to talk about movies. That's great. I hadn't seen any of them except for the one I picked, which we'll get into. I hadn't seen any of them at all.
0: That's the same way with me. I've only seen the one that I picked. Um, so it's going to be an interesting episode. Um, so we'll just go around the round table um, um, and say what movie you brought. I brought Doubt.
4: Jake. Uh, the Ken Russell movie I picked was Altered States.
2: Brian. Uh, I picked the
1: 1991 action comedy with uh, Michael J. Fox and James Woods, The Hard Way.
2: Kirk. Uh, I'm not going with release States. I think my movie's also 1991. I went with Bugsy.
0: Okay, I
3: think the first one the same year. Who cares? Uh, and Tim. I went with 1995's 12 Monkeys, The Year of Tim. Uh, it was a
0: heavy 90s episode of how i kind of figured there were three movies from the 90s so it was interesting to go down that rabbit hole um the first movie we're gonna just start with just get out of the way uh we're gonna go with bugsy uh, bugsy uh so kirk uh take us through your f- framework of why you picked it and uh, your initial thoughts when you first saw it i guess
2: yeah a couple reasons um I th- I've seen this I saw it like close to when it came out probably like mid 90s The first i saw it haven't seen it since um couple reasons i picked it one was because warren beatty is an actor um i, I picked a handful of actors this year to kind of just go deeper into and rewatch some stuff i hadn't seen in a while um and this is one of the movies i had on my list for him and also because you know it's on brand for me it's a it's you know true crime gangster story uh bugsy siegel is the uh the the inspiration for the character Mogri and the godfather so uh, just getting like the real life aspects of that um were kind of interesting to me so i thought hey let's all check it out
0: yeah so i'll just kick it off um didn't know i knew much i know a lot about bugsy malone just from the like that that like the setup but i didn't know this movie i had no uh i had no clue about it um I found it very interesting. There were things I really liked from this movie, and there's things I just didn't like. But I was curious what everybody else thought of uh, your guys' initial like. Uh, because the director of this, Barry Levinson, is that right? Is yeah. that who did it? Um, so I, I'm interested, because I know Brian from previous, you're just not a huge crime guy. Um, line, so how did you, what did you think about this going into it?
1: Well, this is this is one of two movies this week that I had never seen. Um, I'm kind of the same way. Warren Beatty's a big blind spot with me. I, I think before this year, I'd seen only like four movies he was in, and I've already watched three so far this year. This being one of them. Um, but yeah, it, it's every knows it's no secret that crime's not you know my genre. So I just avoided this one. Um, but I watched it for this, and I, uh, you know, I actually ended up quite enjoying it. Um, it's it's the kind of thing. It's it's not simply just you know another you know. Uh, a uh, crime rise to power kind of story. I mean, there's a little bit of that, but uh, it, it, it seemed like it had a little bit more. I mean, there's a love story, of course, the net Benning. There's uh kind of his obsession with like, you know, Hollywood and trying to become an actor and stuff like that. You get a little bit of like, you know, get shorty kind of angle to it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I was surprisingly, uh, surprisingly enjoyed this one.
3: Yeah. Tim. Uh, yeah. I'll just jump in. Um, I didn't love this. Uh, I, I didn't know a lot about Bugsy Malone, like, I knew the name and I knew the name of the movie. Um, also, when the movie started, um, I, I read that it was like like the director's name came up, and uh, in my brain, I read uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, <laughs> a different, very different director.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, and so, the whole time, I was like, huh, this is a weird movie, <laughs> For Barry like, and then I had to. Realized that that was not who directed this film, but I I actually found it like I don't know, like really kind of scatterbrained almost. Um, I didn't really love Warren Beatty in the role. Like, I also haven't seen a ton of Warren Beatty movies, so like my uh my knowledge of him and as an actor isn't super strong. Um, but I just I felt like it was just like way over the top. Um, which I think is kind of the point, like that was kind of the point, like uh, that he was kind of an over the top crazy person. Um, but for some reason, I, I couldn't quite put my finger, like, I didn't think it was a terrible movie by any means. Like there's a lot of really, really great things about it. Um, like I thought the score was really, really great The production design. Um, I just, uh, there was something about it the whole time where it just wasn't clicking with me, uh, the way that it seems to be clicking with other people.
0: I think we have a difference of feeling because I thought thought Warren Beatty was great in the role of Bugsy. And now the more that uh, uh, Kirk said um, Mo Green from Godfather, I got now the vibe checks the box completely for me because that's exactly who he reminded me of the entire time watching it. The part I couldn't stand, and I may be the only one, I didn't think that Benny was that great in this movie. I thought I thought she was very like uh, dr- drug me like down in the film when she like showed up because I liked the overall like Ben Kingsley. I love the like inner mob stuff, like the inner like hey like like when he- the whole scene when he shows up and he's at the like he's cooking right and they're, like, sitting there, and he, like, sells the thing, which is an over-the-top scene, crazy, which I can see where uh, Tim's feeling. I thought Uh, it was so
3: weird he's walking around with the chef's hat on. I'm like, what's going on here, man? And
0: then the whole sell for the hotel, I was like, this is where this, like, he's crazy like he's all over the top like he's such a good salesperson because he convinces like all these people to like agree with him and go with money and all that stuff but like have no like <laughs> the way to it's only a million dollars well why like the end of the million, It's like six million dollars and all that stuff jake your overall thoughts of the film because like did you you, you haven't seen it so like yeah I
4: mean, um yeah i'm I don't know why, but this panelist is apparently just people who hadn't seen a lot of Warren Beatty movies because I'm also the same in that sense. I think, like same. you know, bon- Bonnie and Clyde is a massive blind spot for me. I think the only other Beatty oh. movie I'd seen was Ishtar, to be honest, and that was for a podcast. um But yeah, like I had known this movie, I had heard about it. You know, Barry Levinson, director. Like it was nominated for ten Oscars, um, but I just never, yeah, just <laughs> gangster stuff. I'm kind of with Brian when it comes to crime, but specifically gangster films not really my my favorite sort of thing. Um, I just find a lot of it to just be macho men with like super charisma. And that charisma is definitely like a huge part of why these people were as big as they were and what they did and especially the case with, uh, with Bugsy. But um, yeah, like I just was just kind of uninterested in what was going on. Like the romance is very one-sided. Uh, and the i do like sort of the idea of it's about a guy coming up with the idea to build las vegas and
3: sort of yeah. the inception of that and i thought that was kind of interesting i kind of wish that, that was like my more favorite part of it yeah I, that's what i was gonna say that's the most interesting stuff in the movie is the las vegas stuff to me i thought it was really cool and then like her stealing the money and like all that stuff like that was what i was like interested in it was all the other like cody brought up like The scene where he's cooking and like his his and his wife who he's getting a divorce with that like at the end of the day it like didn't like it mattered but like i didn't feel like it mattered like i I just didn't if i think another problem with it was like and i don't like there's sometimes you watch a movie and it's hard for you to tell how much time is passing in the world of the film this was one of those where i was like I couldn't tell if from where we started to where we ended, it could have been 30 years and I would have had no idea. Um, Or it could have been like five years and I would have had no idea. It was just like, it felt very all over the place because so much was happening. Um, And it was just honestly, at a certain point, kind of hard to follow. Like,
1: I feel the, like that a lot of the stuff with like the with him just like cooking and his kid's birthday party, and then like you know with the the family and his divorce and things like that. I feel like a lot of that was trying to make him seem like, oh, this is just some normal guy, you know, mm-hmm. at, at heart. So, so, he's just normal, but he's like in this extreme situation. And I mean, I I respect that approach, I guess, because you know, when it comes to the gangster films, a lot of times you get that cartoonish, over the top thing, like you know, Al Pacino and Scarface. Or in, even in something like you know Goodfellas, which is you know a, a another one that's a good movie, just not for me. Um, I, I think that Robert De really plays that very you know he's kind of this larger than life character. So I think in this one it's kind of like you know hey here's this dude who just happens to be you know in the mob.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think it would have been more in the movie because of like I know Bugsy because like like my family was very centered in Las Vegas for a long time like period of their life so like the thought of like the building of the Strip and stuff I thought was so fascinating but like it was it's a side piece on of what Bugsy like he's he did the fact and got taken out for the reason but like it was like a side like the side mission of like a playing a video like it didn't really impact anything. We overheard it. We saw it. We didn't really like get to the like the meat and potatoes. I thought it was um, like I get to like the it totally like changed the times for me like when he was that crazy. But like when he came into when he goes to the like LA house the first time and he's like, how much for the house? Well it's not for sale. Like he walked in, He's like at large and like he hasn't. Inti- he doesn't look intimidating, but like the people that know him and like how sporadic and how crazy he is, like how quick he is to like jump, like thing. That's why the guy like, and it just seemed like he was never like consistent with that. I thought he was I, good, but maybe that's how Bugsy was as a real person. I, you know I liked I that
3: that's- moment when he comes to really, the too. house at the beginning, and he was like, like the setup. I enjoyed quite a bit where he was like they called him Bugsy or whatever. And he was like, mm. there's no need to call, like, name call or whatever. And he was like, it's Ben. Like, call me Ben or whatever. And they were like, Mr. Malone. It's Ben. Like, that like that." wasn't – I was like, okay. Like, this right. is intimidating. Yeah, and then,
1: I don't remember which, which, which scene it was, but somebody else like, was like really scared. He was like, oh, don't worry. We, we only kill each other. <laughs> and I was like, oh.
2: <sighs> yeah, I feel like – I mean, I liked the – like, my favorite part of the character was when he had the uh, Mussolini plot. Like, I was obsessed with <laughs> killing Missalini. He was going to go over there
1: and kill him, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I just yeah wanted, that was
2: and that's why, like, I've been watching a lot of Beatty, and, like, he hasn't, like, super impressed me as an actor. Um, I mean, he's not bad or anything, but he hasn't done anything where I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I thought this is probably the best role he played, but I think it was so perfect for him because of kind of his reputation. I don't know how, like, deserved is, but his reputation as kind of like an airheaded himbo. And, like, that's who Bugsy was. Like, that's the that's who this character was. So I think, like, this was the perfect gangster for him to play. And like, just oh. how he's like, you know, like he thinks, like, oh, yeah, I got a bunch of like murders in my house and it's my daughter's birthday and I can switch back and forth. And yeah, I can handle that. That's no big deal, you know? And um, just that kind of person. I, I think, I, I feel like that was like he was consistent in his inconsistency where he was just kind That's of scatterbrained it. all over the place. I, I think
4: was, the, I think the, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, um, I think the most interesting thing about the character is that it's very, the, the, the I really liked Beatty. I don't know about everyone, um, but I thought he worked pretty well for this movie, for the character. And I think because the character is very similar to him. I think the, the most interesting thing about Warren Beatty is that he's like a masterful producer. Like from ever since Bonnie and Clyde and, you know, on to even real son Applied. Yeah, but he yeah. has... <laughs> Bad, yeah. I didn't want to say because I didn't say it. It's <laughs> a bad you. movie. <laughs> but just the way that he's taken himself with each decade and has become, like, this big. I mean, he doesn't really do anything anymore, but, like, the way he was able to build himself as a producer, that's like he's, like, crowning Jewel, like, as as someone in Hollywood. Like, Ooh. he was a director, writer, and actor. Like, he's done everything. I mean, he won Best Director, but it's just, like, crazy to see uh, a film called Reds from Red. um, the 80s. I mean, uh, uh, Spielberg,
0: exactly. Long and got so many cast members. Like the, that's like oh, a who's who of like who's crazy. in that movie. It's crazy. Okay. I've never it's seen it, but yeah. I know of it.
4: Just the way um, that they, he plays Bugsy is very similar to how Betty like makes movies, and like he's known for his like attention to detail and the fact that he slept with like so many women. Like it's very much like a character that uh, Betty has already been playing before.
0: I think I think it's also interesting with um this movie is like. Because I've seen, I haven't seen a lot of him, so I can't speak of it. But like Bonnie and Clyde, he's got such strong cast around him that he does. Like this is like him having to stand alone, so it's sporadic, which was Bugsy. But I think that's where some of the inconsistencies lied, or because I don't think he's that strong of an actor. Like overall, I'm not, I'm not sold on him being like the man. But like when you look at his Hollywood career, the man was, got attention from a lot of people yeah. to be. The man. So it's interesting. I think. I think overall, the uh, Barry Lemonson did a good job directing this. I think overall, the only part that I thought was, and I think most people will agree, the ending of this, like the shots, like was the most like dramatic, like kill scene I've ever seen in like, like a movie. Uh, yes, like he's doing like when when you're on the playground and you shoot your friend, like the slow turn. I'm like. Yeah. yeah and like every like shot that like went in it had to like show how many like times he was like shot until you shot in the face and like you'd see them like terrible look like the, i was like he could have just died like yeah, I mean, Like it was it was like such a dramatic part where i'm just like at that point it's not like it took me out because i like, know he dies from that I think, but I'm, like,
2: I, I think that kind of goes back to they set that up where how he was so hard to kill like, he had that scene with, you know, uh, yeah. with the guy the the bar. He's like, he's like, I can't even kill me. And I think it's called, it's oh, almost yeah. like, the, like, the, like mm-hmm. the Sonny Corleone thing where you have to show, like, you have to do the overkill because of how set, how they've been set up as being so tough and un, uh, so invulnerable that you can't just do, like, one quick kill shot. It has to be, like, a big dramatic death.
3: That makes <laughs> sense, I guess, a little bit. It took me out, but... I, I'm curious to know, because, Kirk, you said you saw this in the 90s and you mm-hmm. were you picked it because you wanted to rewatch it and see how it would, you know, hold up. Did it hold up for you or like what? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, have, I mean, I was, a, or... I was a
2: teenager last time I watched this. So I have, have a totally different perspective and yeah. I've seen so many more movies, you know, and, and just like a better understanding of who this character was. Um, so kind of knowing, um, I, I don't, but I, I, when I watched it, I really don't think I understood like the kind of character he was pulling off, like how he was kind of supposed to be a joke. Not a joke, but kind of just like flighty, like he was. Um, so I think I probably took a little more seriously. Under- I think I got more enjoyment out of it, understanding who this character was and how he was kind of just scatterbrained all over the place. Did a little bit more for me.
3: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah,
4: I was just um, I I have a question. Uh, so cool. I went into this knowing that Kaitel and um, Kingsley were nominated for best supporting actor. How do we how do we feel about those two? Because um, I. I have to say, I don't think either should have got the nuts, because I, I think it was...
3: Yeah. Uh, I think I
4: they're did. good, but they don't, like, elevate their performance.
3: I didn't know mind. that until after uh, I saw the movie. I looked that up. I didn't know it was nominated for anything. I seriously had no I'm even 10. I think it was, like, the
4: I second was, most nominated that year. Something I was crazy. sitting
3: there, like, this is, like, whatever. A, a movie I thought was fine, basically, at the end of the day. And, um... I looked on IMDB, and I was like, holy shit, when I was looking at the awards. And uh, funniest thing ever was I then went on Letterboxd to read everybody else's review, and uh, Caleb Koho was like, Ben Kingsley and Harvey Keitel yeah, were that's fucking weird. amazing. And I was like, <laughs> get out of here. But anyway, uh <laughs> love you. But um, I thought Kingsley was better. I don't. i mean, I thought Kingsley <laughs> was better than Keitel, but I would agree that neither of them, like, I thought it wasn't until that final scene with kingsley where they're like at the table and he was like they were like well what if he doesn't pay us or get the money back or like what if it's a failure and kingsley's like then i'll take care of it that was the moment where i was like okay he's really good in this movie but there was no moment where Kaitel, like i love harvey Kaitel, but like he was great but like he's not like Oh my God! He needs to be nominated.
0: My my viewpoint on it is Kingsley um, Kirk is a famous critic for this. He bounced out of whatever accent, whatever he Uh, like had one every scene, and it was different. betting did. I uh, it, I, 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 I fully agree. I fully agree. That's why two drove me absolutely <laughs> Like It was like every scene they showed up, I was like, is this the same? Like, I had to pause at one point point. Like, is like this the same actress like, that was talking? Because I was like, this is not who was here approving. <laughs> this is another woman? It was crazy how bad. I, and Keitel, again, I don't know what was on that I didn't really look up that stuff on this one. But yeah, I could say like I, depending on the year and who was there, maybe maybe they
2: deserved it yeah, a little bit. I don't know but, who else. I, 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 w- I would thing. say that I think they're both good for now. this movie. I think they're both. Adorable. Kingsley's Watch. clearly the outstanding one. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think they're both really fun in this movie and like really good for this movie, but I don't think there's anything so spectacular in either performance that they deserve to get nominated.
0: It also um, showed how clueless and how you said about it's just a side tangent about how bugged he was, about like back and forth, because how clueless he was at the very end too. Oh yeah. Like goes into his house, knows something doesn't, like how he's looking around the house. Yeah. What do you mean?
3: I didn't feel that way. I felt like when he makes that phone call and he says like the I'm going to LA, but make sure that what's her face, whose name Annette Benning, is taken care of and don't sell your shares when he's like, you're going to You're going to regret it if you sell your shares. That's him saying that he knew that if he went back to LA, he was going to die.
0: No, I know, but how he like he's in the car with Keitel, and he says like the stuff, and she's he's like, I don't want to talk about that. And he like mm-hmm. walks around, and he's like looking all excited when he walks in this house, but he sees something's uh, like he's at least what it. If I took like body language at all when he enters the house, he like seems like something is up, like in his house. Like he he takes a pause and like looks around, like doesn't really know what's going on, but then he just goes on with his life, like how he and then then dies from later yeah, on, and okay, with the phone see, call. So he seems like carefree, even mm-hmm. though he does like. Like, he has no awareness that he, he's six million dollars now, even more on this hotel. Like that, the people are going to get angry. Like, he has no clue. Harvey Keitel has cut him out like right away. He's like, I don't want to talk. Like we're done. Like, it's like, like, we're not. And it's like he's still whatever, he's yeah. still clueless about the thing. So I thought that was interesting. That's but true.
1: That makes sense. Um, I do
4: feel that actually from Tim, like the phone call when he like, "Can you just do one favor for me? Can you make sure that she's safe?" Like I definitely felt like he kind of knew that this is the end for him. But then as you were saying, Cody, like the way he was entering his house is just it felt almost an inconsist- he, he, yeah, like very, he finally Maybe that's just a character, it, yeah. but it was certainly uh, was definitely yeah. an interesting choice. Um I was gonna say, like, the nods to the year is very is very weird. It's the Jack Allen's year where he did the uh the push up where he got yeah. which is a crazy win in and of itself. Uh, but you got Tommy Lee Jones for old. JFK, uh, and Michael Ooh. Lerner for Barton Fink. It was really good in like the how yeah, small he's in that I haven't maybe. seen like any the other of two about the Bugsy performances. So and what's weird like, about Cartel getting nominated
2: movie. here? This is the only Oscar nomination Cartel's ever gotten. Yeah,
4: the one hundred percent cartel.
1: The cartel would <laughs> nominate yeah. ah, the are,
4: cartel.
2: Yeah.
4: The <laughs> cartel. Yeah. 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 Oh god, that's his trivia. <laughs> Next he would be Harvey the cartel. Cartel.
1: Let's the king of the scene. I think Kingsley is also actor, like I mean, a certain level of, of he's a great actor in pretty much everything he does. I mean, uh, things like Love. True, Jeter, I Bob, guess if you think, has... true. If you want to think about it, I guess
0: when you think of him, he's more of like the character actor. Like yeah. when he pops up, like he's yeah. not a lead man. He doesn't ride the like. But I'm thinking, I think back to like Pulp Fiction, where clearly as the wolf, like that's a great yeah. performance. When pop, like that could have easily been like a. But you know. And from Cowtell's
1: first year, him. I was super distracted by the bad hair and makeup, by the way. Just- Maybe
3: <laughs> if the Oscars had uh, a fan voted best moment,
1: thing,
3: mm. <laughs> mm, we could have. Well, here, you know what? Of- Is- we, we can just, just say this. No, yeah. take
0: that. We can say this here. The Oscars sucks. Um, overall, they get things wrong all the time. Let's be real. Um, and if you put it in your reviews oh. that this person should be nominated all the time, you're one of the worst. coho, talking to you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we'll go around real quick, uh, get everybody's like ratings overall on the movie, like on uh, what you guys get it because on the show, but we don't know how anybody feels about it before we start talking about it. So I leave that a mystery till the very end of it. Um, I'm gonna start. I'm at three. I was trying to do three and a half, but I'm at three because there were so much. There was stuff I really liked. There was also inconsistencies that drove me a little bit crazy throughout it, and I think it was like. Totally like imbalance a little bit. Like it, it. Seeing the scene just didn't feel like connected almost at times.
4: Uh, Jake, um, yeah, I was torn between three and three and a half, and I was like, there's stuff that I really like, but there are stuff that just really dragged it for me, and I kind of lost interest at points. I'm gonna go with three stars for me. Like, and 10, again, but, just to let everybody. And again, just to let everybody know. Don't
0: feel bad when you bring stuff on here. I brought a movie on the very first week that I thought people would love, and I got shit on, and it, it was a sad day. But overall, you know, this is just <laughs> movies. You know, like like what movies you like, uh, Brian.
1: Uh, you know, as much as people would think it'd be the other way around, I did enjoy this one more than the other Bugsy Malone portrayal that year, which or Bugsy Siegel, which is uh, Richard Grieco and Mobsters. Um, so <laughs> talk about Richard, that. <laughs> So, but so I, I I was kind of the same way. I'm kind of at three, three and a half. That the, the Las Vegas stuff, especially, I wanted to bump it up to three and a half, but but I ended up settling on a three.
0: That, that's five stars uh, for Kirk. Kirk, where are you at on this?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to end up uh, on a, my rewatch. Will probably be three and a half. Um, I do I did enjoy. I do think there were some a few things, a little performance wise. I think there some odd editing choices. So it's not, I didn't think it was an, like a great movie. But I think overall, it was it was a fun watch. It was it was a pretty breezy to watch. Um, so yeah, probably ended up being a three and a half for me. And I'm glad Brian. Honestly, like when I thought I'm going to bring a crime movie, like I was like, I know Tim and Cody would be okay. If I figured Jake would, you know, Jake's down for whatever. So I specifically thought, what will be palatable for Brian? So I'm glad Brian didn't hate it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I it don't. I don't usually you. hate them. I just <laughs> usually.
3: <laughs> uh I was actually riding the two-star train for most of the movie, but uh, I really did enjoy the Las Vegas stuff. Um, I thought that elevated the movie a lot for me in the last hour or so, so I I gave it a three.
0: All right. Um, So the very next movie that we're going to be talking about, um, we're going to kind of keep the same name. We're going to go the hard way. Uh, The hard way is the next one we're going to talk about. Um, Yeah, Brian, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so so my role on on this uh panel or this show is as far as I can see it is is to make people watch underseen movies. Um and and this is another one. This is one of those 90s movies, uh, you know, when action comedies were, you know, a dime a dozen back then. Uh, Michael J. Fox and James Woods, both kind of at the heights of their career. Um you had John Badham, who's directed everything from Saturday Night Fever to uh, the stakeout films and war games and some other stuff. So he's kind of had a, had a varied career. Um, but this is one that I saw back in back in 1991. Um, and it is just so much fun. Um, I, I love this movie. I love the comedy. And actually I actually even love the action of it. Um, but it all comes down to the chemistry between Michael J. Fox and James Woods. Um, I think they're both kind of playing... Heightened versions of themselves. I mean, he's uh, Michael J. Fox is basically playing uh, Marnie. McF- if Marnie McFly became an actor, he's got the same kind of, you know, neuroses and things like that. But now he's this big, powerful Hollywood actor. Um, who, for anyone who hasn't seen it, he wants to uh, do this, you know, gritty crime film. He wants to try and earn this part in the, be taken seriously as an actor. And so he arranges to have this. Basically, he follows around. Uh, James Wood, who we saw on the news like this, just a pretty hardcore take no shit cop. He's got, you know, this huge temper. He just uh, so he wants to follow him around. Of course, you know, the the personalities conflict and wackiness ensues. Um, But yeah, this is just a movie. uh, I mean, it's got a great cast top to bottom from Michael J. Fox and James Woods. Of course, Stephen Lang plays the villain in this. It wasn't his first time as a villain and certainly wasn't his last time playing a villain. He's chewing up every scene he's in as the party crasher. Uh, Annabelle Jiar is in it. Uh, you got Luis Guzman, El Cool J, uh, even Christina Ricci has a small part in it. One of her earliest parts um, as uh, Annabelle Jiar's daughter. Um, but yeah, this is just a movie that I think that a lot of people might have heard of, but not a lot of people have seen. At least in this community, nobody—not a lot of people have it have it logged. And so I wanted to share it and make everyone else watch. It. I'm gonna be real honest with you. I thought this movie was a fake movie at first. This poster
0: does not look real. I'm gonna be real. Like when you clicked it, I was just like, this is like nowadays, if we put two actors, like I wanna see them in this movie. And I was like, wow. Um, I'm gonna say my opinion, I'm gonna go initial thoughts for everybody. I'll so go ahead and talk about what you guys thought, and then I'll tag in at the end. But uh,
3: this movie's awesome. Uh, this <laughs> this is a great fucking movie. Uh, Brian brought this up on Logged It uh, months mm-hmm. ago. And uh I remember like liking the pitch that he gave then.
1: But nobody watched it since, so I brought it up again.
3: Yeah, so like (laughs) I'm glad you brought it up because I really enjoyed it. Like, is this movie really dumb? Yeah, like it's it's really stupid, but I had so much fun watching it. Um, I I actually haven't seen a ton of Michael J. Fox. Um, so it, it was like it's pretty much like back to the future, and then like season one of the michael J Still, Fox show, stuart, or, little? stuart little yeah exactly <laughs> so like uh i really enjoyed him and, and same with james woods like obviously like hercules but like as far as like live action stuff like i don't know a ton of james woods i don't know how much i've seen and i just thought they were really fun together i i like the whole um angle of this like this overzealous actor that like is just like such an idiot but also has like at the end of the day, like, a heart of gold, like, kind of coming in and, like, wanting to, like, learn how to, like, it, it's it's what Hollywood actor, like, an idiot Hollywood actor would do. Be like, oh, I'm going to go find the most grizzled, like, cop and then, like, follow him around. And then I was actually interested in, like, what was going on, like, with the the crimes and in and of itself. Like, I thought Stephen Lang was really good, like, the whole thing at the end. Um, I was I was super into, like, this was just one of those movies where, like, I know that if it, if it, like, came out today, I would take Maggie to the theater, we would see it, the movie would end, and she would go, that was fucking dumb, and then I would go, I loved it, uh, and then I would buy it on Blu-ray, watch it once, and never see it again, so it was, I had a really fun time with it, but I do admit, there's a lot of stupidity to it, but... I, I, I can't deny, like, this this was a, a lot of fun for me.
1: Yeah, it definitely gets cartoonish at times. Oh,
3: 100%. But I'm I, honest- I
1: totally feel like this James Woods performance was the template for Hades, honestly.
3: That's fair. Because, honestly, like, all you have to do, like, I was talking to, uh, spoiler for when we're shooting this, we shoot a month ahead of time. But, like, Black Adam just came out, and I told Nick over the weekend, I was like, all that movie needs to do to please me is have good action scenes, and I'll be fine. And that's kind of how I feel about this type of movie is that, like, if the action's good and I like the lead characters, like, I'm going to be able to make it through the two-hour run time. And I liked the lead characters and I thought the action scenes and the comedy was good. So I was there for it.
4: Um, I had heard of this movie because uh, at actor Griffin Newman, uh, who also has podcast playing check, uh, tried to buy the rights to this movie. Um, I don't know if he actually did, but he had always pitched, like, he had a great idea to remake this movie, um, so I'd heard of it from there. Um, I thought it was okay. I, I admit, like, that, I mean, Brian was alluding to it and had said, but, like, the 90s, early 90s, like, late 80s, those was just, like, the pinnacle of the amount of buddy cop. Car- crime movies that they were making at the time and I just found it to be just honestly just another one of those just the thing that makes this one shine compared to the others is like the chemistry between Fox and Woods I think James Woods is like I really like him as an actor but I just do not really care and want to stay far away from him as a person um I think like just the fact that he is a like legitimately a great actor and just like this performance is very much like a James Woods like Character that he would play, but then you look at a, a, a performance like *The Virgin Suicides*, where he's playing like the exact opposite of this type of character. It just makes you go, "This guy's like really, really good." um But I do think that he is at least my favorite part of the movie. um Just like everything that he says, I'm just like glued to the screen. I'm like just the way he says it, the way he's just the performance, the cadence, like just everything about him is just like bolts the wall over the top and. He's just angry cop, but like played by James Woods, which is like 10 times angrier. Um, But I found him to be just definitely my favorite part of the
2: movie. Um, Yeah, I never saw this movie because like ever since it came out, I always thought it just looked like, you know, every buddy cop movie from the 90s. Um, And I watched it like the opening scene was great. Like I love like there's a shot of Stephen Lane driving his car. And it's just like really, it's like really nice looking. And I think the opening uh, action set piece is really, really well done. Um, from that point on though it kind of does become everybody, ca- everybody caught movie from the 90s like there are like a lot of the cliches the, the cliche characters and stuff like that um, I think Stephen Lang is great as a villain I just wish he was a little more fleshed out um, and yeah Woods I think is a standout performance uh, there are certain moments in that in that, and I think if this movie had been taken a little because that's what I thought when it started like with the way like that opening credits with the, the, the billboard going up and the lights and everything I thought like oh maybe there's going to be some like, like style to this movie and some of the stuff they do, like that scene in the subway with James Woods where he's walking up on the guy, that looked like something up on, like something from a Michael Mann movie. Like if that, like a movie with a different tone. Like that totally could have been a totally different thing. Um, so, I mean, like he got me through it. Like I said, uh, Stephen Lane got me through it. And the, and the end uh, action part was cool. I like how it kind of like the meta aspect of how like it mirrored, like they were in the movie theater watching the movie. Yeah. Like kind of the same things happen in the actual finale for them. Uh, it's kind of, so I thought that was kind of funny, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I liked it more than I thought I was going to do. because, like I said, I usually I just don't like these these, these uh, buddy action cop movies. Um, but like I said, especially James Woods, um, really
3: did a lot to kind of
2: uh, elevate
3: it. You you just reminded um, me, Kirk, sorry Cody, you just reminded me like the end yeah. of the the end of the movie that you were just bringing up about how like it reflects. Um, one of my favorite movies of this year is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and. It that that reminded me a lot of that movie where it was like the meta style of like
4: yeah.
3: them seeing a movie at the end and everything spoiler for that movie, I guess, but i not really, but um, it reminded me a lot of that, it had similar vibes in that type of way, so that was something I thought of while watching it.
0: Um, so I was mixed going in overall, gun, I didn't think the movie was real. Um, I had uh. I am. I am. I. I'm not a Michael J. Fox fan. I would say I love the Back to the Future series. Like that is like some of my favorite movies of all time. This man left the set, and be, the same guy showed up to set. Like this is like I've seen Michael J. Fox act in other things, but he is completely Marty McFly, just like in a different setting, and that hindered the performance for me at times. Like like his. Way over the top. The person I loved in this movie was uh, James Ward. I think he was absolutely phenomenal in this. Uh, and he treated him exactly how I would want to treat him throughout this entire experience. Like, like you're putting me on this case to have this guy who wants a gun, blah, blah blah. This goofiness to place. I think Steve Lang. It, it's kind of like Bugsy for me a little bit. Like they like leaned full into like the wild and. Crazy, like, but then they backed a little bit off at times. Again, maybe I want more Steve Lang in it. I overall didn't hate the movie. I was watching it the entire time yesterday and I was like, oh my God, Tim is going to love this movie. Like, <laughs> it's my exact response of that. I was like, I'm watching this. I was like, Tim is lit. Like, uh, uh, Brian just unlocked a movie for Tim. And, like, yeah. it's happening. And money. <laughs> I, know, I was sitting there. I was like, and looking at his track, like, uh, I was looking at the director because I. Uh, I have not seen many what he directed, and every poster looks exactly like the hard way, like in like that he's done like they knew who they were getting to do this movie. Uh, but I think it was a little darker than I expected it would be. I think it was a little bit I think it was like it, it had so many interesting things that I I guess I guess this movie had I had zero expectations for. I was like, Brian picked this ridiculous nineties movie with James Wood and Michael J. Fox, it's probably gonna be not there. But at the end of the day, I still had a smile on my face. I was enjoying what was happening. I think he, I think Michael J. Fox is not great in the movie overall. I think like every time he had to like draw out a line or scream it longer than he ever needed to, like he would just oh, it drove me absolutely oh, shut the fuck up. But uh, overall, a lot of fun. A lot of fun in this movie. Um, I like the ending too. I think the ending was what saved the movie for me a little bit because I think that's so interesting and I want to know how much it costs to like make that Michael J. Fox like like stand thing like the play that they're fighting on at the end like and like where he's featured and stuff like how he's an actor like no one like you can't even pass that we all know it's Michael J. Fox but to pass like he's actually an actor it's funny um yeah I just I this movie had like so many things James what I didn't look I didn't think of even the Hades thing until right now and you're a hundred percent right. Like he's he's mean as shit in this movie. And it's great. He's like, a typical Cody character.
2: This this sure, movie had like, like, the, the way to yeah, Michael so J. Fox, Fox you are to like coho. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this is Cody Boho's situation, definitely.
1: I feel like, like you, yeah. you talked about like how it was darker than you thought. I kind of feel like that might be actually something that kind of set it above what it could have been because it very easily could have been like a right. 13 just silly comedy. Or if if they tried to make this a straight drama, it wouldn't have worked. I mean, at least not with Michael J. Fox. I don't think it would have worked. Um, but I think by making it as R-rated comedy, which Michael J. Fox didn't do R-rated comedies. You know, he did all kinds of stuff, but I mean, except for I think *Frighteners* was R. But but as far as his comedies, I don't think he's done any other R-rated ones. Yeah,
2: he said he he drops an F bomb in this. I'm like, I don't think yeah, I've ever heard Michael J. Fox say that before.
1: Yeah, I mean, I see him doing like dramas like *Casualties of War* and stuff like that. Yeah. But not like like this. But I think that that by by making it kind of the, this darker tone to it, it kind of. I mean, A makes it so it's not just kind of a throwaway silly comedy, but also I think it it feels like it's more stakes because, like, you know, it is this actor who thinks that everything's just a game going in there and finding, out, oh shit, this is this is real. So I thought I thought, well, I thought it worked.
3: That that's what I thought. Like when they did the um,
1: when they faked him out.
3: Yeah, the twist. I guess you could mm, say like that was something Like
4: out of nowhere,
3: I actually felt for him. Like I think that's what like. Honestly, we'll take the mark between like a average, like funny comedy to me, like a three star to a four star, I guess, is like they they kind of there's that type of trope and like like I could see coming from a mile away that somehow James Woods was going to be so much of a dick that he was going to, you know, betray Michael J. Fox. And then they were going to have to come back together. But like I didn't see it coming that way. And when it happened, like, I genuinely felt for the dude. Like, it was it was effective. And so it helped me, like, kind of realize that I liked the movie a lot more than just, like, a dumb three-star comedy because, like, I actually cared about what was happening with the characters by the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't see the twist either fully coming. Like, I think, um, again, and... Like, I try to, like, do my best to, like, I try to take some notes so, like, I can have some talking points for the show and stuff. Like, again, I'm with you, Tim. Like, I think if they don't have that or if Brian said it, if they don't make it as dark as they kind of do, I think this movie falls, like, very short of what it could be. And I think that's what set the movie up a star for me almost in the watching because, like... Everybody in the movie's overacting, like, to a degree. But I, this is the kind of movie that's supposed to have those overacting. Like, if anybody was trying to... Even James Wood is as much of a dick as he is. If he was too much of a straight man on it, I don't think it would, like, or didn't, like accentuate like him drawing on the posters and like making those stupid like you know like the comedy of locking them on the bed and like stay (laughs) like those stupid things like those are like the police chief like saying oh come in here you like no i'm not giving you my wife's a big fan of you like it's just like they like lean into so much stuff on this. Eld- uh, young LL Cool J on this movie too. I thought that was.
4: Uh, I thought that was neat. Um, this is the movie that gave yeah. us
1: "Mama Said Knock You Out." Yeah, which is they, they yeah.
2: use that movie. Yeah. Like, they use the song twice, which thank God yeah. is uh,
0: awesome. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I, I, as far as like that. I'm sorry, you go ahead. No, go over, no, sure. Um go
2: As far as that twist goes, I think that's kind of necessary too because up until that point, at least for me, anyways, like I was kind of like sympathizing way more with James Woods. Because they just drop this like vapid guy in his lap, and it's like he's going to upend your entire life, and you have nothing to say about. It. So I understood his frustration, and that's the point at which I'm like, okay, now I kind of feel bad for Michael J. Fox. I think you had to have something that extreme to get that there. And I noticed too, like throughout this movie, especially in the uh, in the the, the uh, police station scenes, uh, a lot of homages to Serpico, like even the way he's dressed when he comes in, and like the the, the different rooms they are in the way that the and just the way they kind of like that scene where he walks in. And like they're all laughing at him and telling the stories, like it felt very. It was shot much a lot like a Serpico scene, but it felt a lot like Serpico too. Just like him being on the outside and him having to feel that. You and you feel you feel bad for him at that point. So yeah. I I don't I think you had to have Woods do something pretty bad to make you feel like okay now I feel bad for the actor who's kind of ruined this guy's life.
4: Um, I was gonna bring up something. What I I don't know if this is a pet peeve or like a nitpick or just something that I liked when I when I watch movies like this that sort of have like a meta sort of thing to it. But I love when characters in the movie say, "This isn't like a movie. This is like real life." Is, and I'm just yeah. like, "It's a fucking movie." And then but like I ten things like,
2: are only happen in movies.
4: <clears throat> only happens in movies. Yeah. I, I do think that it being R-rated does help the movie in that it grounds it in some sort of level in reality because like the movies that the um that Michael J Fox is in the movie the act, the movies that the movie says are like pg action swashbuckling,
1: that sort of stuff and that
4: completely contrasts with just the the because it's New York right it takes place in New York yeah, yeah. well that's the it point years- is he's,
1: he's seen as this like you know family actor and he wants to he, yeah he, you know, the studios don't see him as right for this gritty role he wants to be taken seriously so that's why he's trying to do this yeah and and I like of, the fact it- that just New York
4: is so just like gritty and urban and just like oh when he's like he's looking i don't know where like james wood goes to like find information about the the guy who sold the gun to the um the wedding crasher and he's just yeah. like he's just he's already doing like the he's already picturing pitching the scene and just like the way it's presented it's like this is just really the way he's so like fixated on this like movie sort of like
3: well i world. i loved that at, at the end when he was uh it, it was the scene where they were watching the movie or whatever, and he in the movie is giving the, the same speech that James Wood gave earlier, like the real life thing. And I thought of that. that my I,
1: said I said that. that. Yeah, yeah my, my favorite scene, honestly, was actually the first time uh, when James Woods met him, because that way because uh, he goes he goes into into the bathroom, and he's like, and I had the point where like turns, and go, oh, you turn a little into there, but then he goes back, and and he's like. Nope, I can't do it. I tried. I gave it a chance. I made it to the bathroom and back. Not if you drag me naked across glass in the back of your car. I, I just love this.
2: I would say too, though, going back to what you were saying, Jake, about the the whole like it's not a movie thing. This gave me like I was thinking a lot about uh, Last Action Hero when I was watching this. It had like kind of like those same elements to it, and uh, that was my my exact same pet peeve about that movie, where it's like the real world stuff was still very much like a movie, um, and I noticed some of that in here. Uh, but I do feel like, like you said, the R-rated, kind of like the violence, like, you know, the fact that he actually gets shot, you see the blood splatter and everything, even though they're standing on paper mache and somehow it's holding the weight of four people, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I, I, could, for, I could forgive that. But um, no, like I said, I definitely feel like it had more of that, like, contrast between real world and movie, um, especially, like I said, in that end scene uh, where you see the, the, the two different takes. But it's still played with those tropes, like the ridiculousness of it still happening in the real world.
0: I just thought how much of a trope it is in Hollywood for a grizzled old cop to deal with young, unex- inexperienced person. It should be a war zone strength for people. I'm telling you, there's <laughs> enough like thinking about those movies out there. Uh, like us that, spend in
4: category next year. You know, yeah.
1: That's fair. Yeah, Tim, can you add hard? Uh, yeah.
4: Let's go do some <laughs> law. <laughs> um, <I was laughs> yeah, up, uh, that might maybe. get Brian back. Let's all. I, I, keep, I said. I think I said the wedding crasher. I mean, um, the party okay. crasher. How do we like uh, Stephen Lane? He's a uh, he's playing essentially like uh, a Hannibal Lecter in that sort of universe, so, sort of a serial killer in the sense of yeah. Like I'm just gonna cause anarchy, and I have my. Memory. I. I absolutely love the scene where he's in the back
0: of the car, and Michael J. Fox is like, you know what. I get what is like. I got an illness. I'm terminal. I'm, I'm dying. I don't have much to live. So why not? And like, just drives through everything and thinks he's got him. He's like, no, no, uh, no applause needed. Just doing the job or something like over the walkie. And Steven like is still alive and fine. And he's about to beat the show. I thought it was interesting. I think he's good. I again, I'm terrible with like actors and stuff like that. So when I see it, I was just like who is that guy i know that guy but who is it like i no frame of reference like because i'm terrible at movie trivia but um yeah i thought he was good i thought it was good i thought very hannibal lector like vibes but you know why would you a, say that we almost beat the concept that's true we almost did
2: um, um i i thought i think he was a great casting choice um i think he did good with what he had to work with but this is the point, I, I mentioned al- this already, but I, this when he w- his scenes, I wish this was a Michael Mann movie, because like if it would have been that type of movie, this would have been such a, like, uh, you know, like, Wayne Grove and Heat or something like that, like, it's that type mm. of character. He, he I, And I think Stephen uh, Lang has the chops to pull that off. I just don't think he had the opportunity. But, like, I think he, he was a great villain in this movie, but I think a lot was left on the table as to what they could have done with him.
4: It's funny because Stephen Lang's in Manhunter, and he's in that scene where yeah. he gets uh, killed by that. the was reminding of that. As I totally uh, forgot about that.
3: I totally forgot about that too. Yeah. Wow, I love that movie. Anyway, great. That movie. I love him as, uh, I, I love him in Tombstone. Um, like, that's of course, crazy tombstone. Crazy tombstone. Oh, Tombstone. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's not
0: crazy. I still stand by it, but that's fair. Um, uh, Red Dragon. Go check it out. Red uh, great.
3: Manhunter's better, but um, that's not true.
0: Um, uh, but uh, we're going to get scores for the hard way. Um, uh, Brian, I'm going to start with you. I should have started with Kirk last time, but I'm going to start with Brian because you
1: brought it to the um, show. I continue to give it this four stars.
3: Okay.
1: Uh, I'm going to go ten.
3: I also gave it four stars.
4: Jake, uh, that'll be three stars for me, dog. Kirk.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go three. Um, this is, you know, it really isn't my genre. It's not something that I, I love, but there was enough uh, fun stuff in here to grasp onto. I'll give it a solid three.
0: Uh, it's going to be a three and a half for me. I had a good time with it. I would probably revisit it, honestly. I think it might go up uh, on watch. Um, so, middle of the show. I've done something two episodes in a row. I'm going to just do it again. Um, this one okay. may have the most discussion or the most the least amount of discussion. Uh or some say we might be entering in like an altered state of this
4: episode. Altered state, guys. Um, Jake, take it away. Um, so I had seen this movie a couple years ago um, just out of you know curiosity. I think I, it was in my, my Halloween sort of watch list that year. And I liked it a lot, although I watched it late at night and I was sort of falling asleep. So my sort of attention to detail and to the movie was sort of was wearing off um so i wanted to give it a rewatch and give it a proper rewatch and feel like i missed on certain things and details so i decided i picked it for this um also just like this is a movie that i i know no, based on letterbox none of you had seen it and i was very curious what kind of discussion the movie would bring out of everyone here um i don't think this is And I think I can say this on behalf of you guys. I don't think this is kind of a movie that you actively try and find this sort of weird sort of trippy sort of visuals and craziness sort of existential sort of dread that this movie sort of brings up and kind of discusses. I'm a big fan of that sort of stuff. That's just kind of my shit. Um, I love films that make me question just everything about life and reality. Um, And this movie kind of does that and sort of uh, pushes the idea of the human consciousness. And are we able to sort of, uh, bring back sort of memories and sort of the ideas that uh that started with humanity and can we even evolve to something even greater beyond what we are now and uh i want to see what kind of uh the reaction that this movie would bring out of everyone here so i'm just gonna say this two different shows that are also on this
0: channel logged at tuesdays uh adst and yls um adst wednesdays um both shows. I've been on both shows when people bring stuff to the table that I absolutely despise. I try to literally beat the living shit out of them verbally and make them feel terrible about themselves. <laughs> Roundtable's a different environment. I like to beat the shit out of the movie, not the person that brought it. Um, when you said question life and humanity, I questioned my life during this film. I'm going to be real honest with you. I text him before this episode and I said I said I said I did say something harsh. I said, Jake may be banned from Roundtable. Um, and with me saying that, I felt like that was rude, and I want to get ahead of that now. Uh, and he goes, oh, you watched Alter State. And I said, watched is not the word I would use. I stared at the screen, and but I don't know what I just saw. This movie is not a Cody movie. Um, at all? I, I, am gonna, I'm gonna be wrong. William Hurt has done two movies from the '80s that uh, Kiss of uh, the Spider. I think. Uh, what is that? What is that movie called? Uh, Kiss, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yeah. the Woman. He had a wild '80s. A wild '80s. And this Impressive. is no question. I, you're right. These movies don't. They're they're just not my cup of tea because I don't know what is happening. You can call it complex. You can call it like um, a different form of of thinking about film. I am a person that loves a beginning, middle, and end of a film, like a solid plot line. I couldn't find it in this movie. We were all over the place from Jump Street. It is a visual diarrhea that happens all over the screen. Like it changes and moves and like all over the place it, like it's it made me laugh out loud at times which i don't know if it's appropriate to do um it made me like pause and rewind because i don't know what i missed um and i like to like, give the movie just i tried i didn't put all of everything away no distraction just try it just didn't hit for me that monkey sequence was almost one of the most laughable things i have ever seen in film and i don't know if i'm supposed to laugh at it and maybe some people on this channel have a different opinion on this movie um no one saw it before this but i don't okay. know what i was getting out of it so i'm sorry for that jake but i'm glad that you brought it so i can have a frame of reference now with movies
3: um I watched this on my phone. Um, oh my god. So, sorry for that one Jake. Uh but I will say this. That's disgusting. Uh it's not as disgusting as Nazario watching Godzilla versus Kong on his phone and going, it's cinema." Um but anyway, uh <laughs> I I I really liked William Hurt in the movie. I thought he was really good um i thought that the uh sex scene seven minutes in was a little uh whoa what are we doing here didn't know this was coming
1: apparently william hurt was the go-to person for sweaty sex scenes in the 80s between was this and really, body heat was and really
3: was sweaty nipples were flying and i was uncomfortable <laughs> let me tell you um but i just like honestly i do like weird shit like um i'm I'm okay with, like, movies that are weird like this. This one just didn't really hit for me. Um, Like I said, I thought William Hurt was good in the movie um, with what he was asked to do. Um, And honestly, like... But I'm with Cody, like, the whole, like, monkey thing and the whole ending and everything. Like, I get what the movie is going for and trying to say. um, But it just, like... it, It was one of those things where, like... It was so outlandish that, that it lost me. So, for example, like uh, another movie that um, I watched shortly after seeing this was The Fountain, which I had never seen before. And I really enjoyed The Fountain because, to me, that felt like it's really outlandish, a lot of visual like craziness going on. Uh, Aronofsky's very much into that shit. Uh, and they felt very similar to me, and where The Fountain – got up to a higher rating for me was because of uh, just, like, the overall, like, message and aesthetic and and uh, everything throughout the movie. And this, like, it, it didn't... Fe- I agree with... Co- I, I'm more on the side of, like, I feel like I know what the movie was trying to say, and, like, I do think there was, like, a beginning, a middle, and an end. I just don't think it, like... was. I don't think what it was saying was all that, interesting or like uh what's the word like um not relevant but just like interesting i guess is what i'm trying to say i i just i I don't know it didn't work for me the the monkey shit was really wild uh like honestly if the whole movie had been that you probably would have had me like if that happened if that happened like an hour earlier in the movie like he unlocks this weird part of his mind and like turns into a fucking monkey, like a wolf <laughs> man, like cool. I'm there for it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just, you know, not, not a, definitely not a Cody movie. That's for sure. But I would say it is, I would say it's a Tim movie, just not a Tim movie that I liked very much. And uh, I was going to make another point. Now I totally lost my train of thought, but um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it was, it was a little, too much in the back half to make up for everything. I don't know. I'm curious. I'm really curious to know what Brian and Kirk thought about this one for sure. Because I yeah. knew Cody, I knew Cody wasn't going to dig this, uh, but I'm really curious to know what they think.
2: Yeah, I thought out of the, out of this panel, I thought I the, I was Jake's best chance to enjoy this. Um, I because I I, I I knew barely nothing about the movie. But I saw that when I saw the poster, I'm like Brian's going to hate this. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but. Uh, the, I, I, see, I'm, I'm different with Tim. Like the, the movie kind of lost me with William Hurt. Um, I don't think he was bad. I don't think he's a bad actor. Like he's never been somebody being like, he's never like sold a movie for me, but he's never been a turnoff. He's just kind of a guy that's there. And for this movie, the parallel I drew that I kept thinking was the fly. Like I kept thinking of the fly with this. And mm. I think if you're going to do a movie like that, where there's no, like, clear antagonist where it's just man versus self man versus nature you need like a gold bloom kind of actor who is maybe not the greatest like technical actor in the world but who who their charm and their charisma and their personality is going to draw you in and just make you care about what they're doing and what they're, what they're trying to do That's and hurt didn't do that for me uh so i think that was one of the places the movie lost me the monkey stuff is actually where i honed in and like you said tim if like okay when because when, when that happened i thought okay now we've gotten to what's going to happen and And the rest of the movie will be dealing with that. And I'm like, okay, I'm on board now. This is cool that we have, we kind of have the framework of the the rest of the story. Let's go. And then that just kind of never happened again. Those, it just went back to all the weird stuff. So it was, I was, I was trying to find that through line that I could follow. I never quite 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 found it. Um, I do think some of the ideas were interesting. Some of the you know the, the stuff that was put forth. Um, I liked the like the stuff in the desert and all those uh, hallucinations was probably my least favorite part of it. Yeah. I liked the second half a lot better, um, but yeah, I just wish there had been. Again, I wish there had been a character to latch on onto. Strong. And maybe it's not even Hurt's fault. Maybe it's the character wasn't that strong. I just wish there was a, a stronger central character for me to latch on to care about and I wish, like I said, there had just been more of a through line of a story. Uh, we'll probably talk about more of the weird stuff that, like, I just didn't understand like, I, I was on board was like, okay, this all happened in his head, and it lost me. It was like, okay, now it's just exploding everywhere. There's pyrotechnics and there's lights because of what's happening in his brain. That's where the movie
3: kind of lost me. Um, but. you just you before I because I do think Brian's about to surprise us because he kind of did a little <laughs> <laughs> um but I if Brian liked the- if he likes us, I'm pissed off. I'm pissed. <laughs> but, no, what, what you said that perfectly verbalized it for me, Kirk, was the through line what was that I didn't feel like there was a good through line throughout the movie that like there was there were lots of moments that I obviously didn't care for, but there was never like something to get me through the whole thing from like A to B to C,
2: mm-hmm.
3: like I get what A was doing, I get what B was doing, and I get what C was doing, but there was nothing connecting it all to make it work as like an overall piece for me. And now Brian is
0: go to Brian because I have to I have to jump in after him. I'm I'm so baffled <laughs> at some of the stuff said. So hold on, go ahead, Brian
1: uh so i i heard like this title and i'd seen like you know see on the shelf in the video store when i worked on years ago and and things like that and I, but i never really knew what this movie was i think whenever i thought of this movie i got it confused with the brain scan so i'm going into this movie thinking that this is that movie or something like that and so i didn't know what this movie was going in and what i was not understanding is that the title is basically trying to tell you you need to be in an altered state to watch this fucking movie That's um true. this movie's fucked up um it's <sighs> I don't know. It's. I mean, I the first half, you know, I was was trying to go along with it. You know, I I can, I can live with the little psycho babble mumbo jumbo and it got in some weird psychedelic imagery and things like that. I'm like, okay, whatever. This is not for me, but I'm, I'm all for, you know, checking out new stuff. Um, but yeah. And then when it got into the second half with the, the, ape or Cro-Magnon or whatever he's supposed to be when he actually turned into him I'm like I'm, that's where it really started to lose me and then by the end when it's going like full on basically Cronenberg body horror you know and I'm just like I I, I was not caring for this movie at all honestly Um, it, when I when I, tried, when I thought about it I thought the thing I connected it more to which it's also not a good movie but better than this in my opinion I thought this felt a lot like uh, that Johnny Depp movie Transcendence to me
3: where it's oh. like these,
1: these scientists kind of pushing pushing the edge of these scientific experiments to try and see you know where human evolution is going to go and all this kind of thing and so it kind of had that same kind of same kind of uh, vibe to me as far as what the basic the very basic plot of the movie was um, I don't I don't, think I don't think they're very much alike in terms of their style and things like that but um, that's the one I kind of connected it more to um, so yeah I I was not big on it I did enjoy seeing John Larroquette pop up in an early role as an X ray technician. Uh, uh Very early pre ET, Drew Barrymore was in this briefly. Bob Belbin. <laughs> yeah, Drew Barrymore
3: <laughs> was in this. Yeah,
1: What's she's that? one of the the daughters, to the of uh, the two. Yeah. Yes. I don't even think she has a speaking
4: role. I think she has this speaker. is this is William Hurt and Drew Barrymore's first film. This is their film debut.
2: And I and, and I, I
3: say, before before Cody jumps back in and and ha- is upset with me and Kirk. Um, I I did actually I agree with what Brian just said about like the body horror like Cronenberg stuff that I actually liked uh, the technical side of this movie where like, I thought that technically speaking, it was very well done. And like the the actual transformation and like that type of stuff was
1: really well done. Yeah, in for 81, we're no 80, yeah. yeah 80, 80, 80.
3: Very yeah. effective for its time. Um, <laughs> Uh, but on the whole, just like I've said over and over
1: again. Dude. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm sure there's an audience for this movie. There are people that I mean, even just like body horror movies, that kind of thing, and psychedelic movies. That's not my. idea. I know that you in your view, Jake, that that's kind of your thing, and and more power to you. Clearly not mine. Uh, for me, I'm just sad that this is now going to sit in my voodoo collection from now on. I wish I could delete.
3: Hey, it. Same. <laughs> hey, Brian, you want to know? Um, what, you know what? You want to know what the audience of this movie looks like? You want to know? Yeah, it's, it's, just this. it's just this. This is the audience. <laughs> so, so,
0: so body, the body horror, horror is not my cup of tea at all. I, I yeah. like video, what is it? Video, video drone. Video drone? Geodron, yeah. video drone. I couldn't stand it. Not a fan. Gross. I'm, I'm totally out on that shit. I don't like it. It doesn't do anything for me. You two, Kirk and Tim, talked about things, I, again, and You may be more complex film fans than me. and I applaud both of you. You saw through lines. I saw fucking chaos on a screen for two hours. I don't know what through line we're at. I think the main problem with this movie, and I don't know, I guess maybe other people feel different. I can't gravitate towards a movie like this if I have no feeling or care for the person going through the stuff. Yeah. I don't care what he's going... because One, I don't know what he's going through, because I've never fucking... Under, I don't understand what he's going through. Because he's in the tank, and all this shit starts happening, and I understand the... I know the concept of the movie and where it goes, but my viewpoint is I just couldn't give a shit... I could give a shit less about him, because I don't know why or, like, there's no... There's no reason behind any of that stuff that he was doing. Like for me, like it just jumped in and he started doing it to go through it. That's my problem. I don't see the through line. And I'm sorry when they opened that door to that that ape man and he went oh and like ran. I couldn't stop laughing. I was I was I broken at that point. you, honestly, like- I do too. Because when he did the oh I. My people had to come check out of me in the house. I'm like, are you okay? I was laughing at like, at an uncontrollable level because I was like, because I've seen for two, like an hour and a half at that point, just crazy imagery this entire time of just wacky shit. And then all of a sudden <laughs> the A-man's sitting there. It's like there's a beast in there and then like and he just runs and like, I'm just like I was just checked, and again, I d- I did have high expectations for it, but I guess the difference between this movie and the Hardway, Hardway had elements that I could I could find my way into, you know, like at zero, it looked ridiculous, but it had those stuff that I'm I'm going to be interested in. I couldn't see a start point, an end point, a middle. The ending of it and all was just a wild. Um, But I mean, this is the exact reason for the roundtable because I would have never watched this movie ever for without it.
1: I I mean, it's something no,
3: I'm I watch a new movie, I'm happy. Like, I I, I, if I get to experience something different and new and have a conversation, like, I'm I'm 100% with Cody on that. That, like, I was
0: just thinking
3: this is a good thing at the end of the
0: day. (laughs) I was thinking the entire time. If there's a person that likes this movie and knows it well enough, this is the greatest, ultimate, deep cut movie I have ever seen in the history of movies. Because how can you tell? You'd have to watch this fourteen times to try to like get notes down for it. It is wild what's shown. On. You what can is ask the anything. First
3: thing the monkey says after the.
2: I'll say, Cody, that. I mean, I may have been a little unclear. I what I was saying is, I I was looking for that through line and I couldn't find it. Yeah, that's what I was saying too. And, I, and, I, and okay. I thought, and I thought, we when we got to the monkey, I thought we had it because, like I said, up until that point, it had just been you know hallucination, hallucination, hallucination. It was just a random collection of these visions or whatever. And I thought, okay, now we're you know condensing into an actual story. Can somebody and and when the monkey popped out, that's what that's why. Like I was like, oh, okay, it's something that happened. And now we can go from here. But then it was just after that, it was just another tank experience. And that's what the movie kind of lost because I thought, you know, we're, why are we going back to the tank? And then the fact that it just ends with, you know, you know, he's able to defeat whatever it is by punching a wall and changing the channel on himself until he gets back to being a person. I'm like, I, I, I would have preferred
3: the monkey ending. Whatever, whatever that. I is. would, I yeah, monkey. He's a monkey forever. Yeah, I'll be.
4: let I'll let Jacob, but I do have an honest question. And
3: after after you're done,
4: go ahead, Jake. Okay, I was gonna say like I can at least try and I'll explain some of the things at least what I got from the movie, like because and Cody, you were saying that there wasn't really all... some of you have said that there's no through line or that there's no start and finish. Um, I would I would say that there kind of is in the sense that Jessup is trying is at first exploring the effects of schizophrenia. And that sort of transitions and becomes him, sort of exploring the human consciousness and is all other altered states of awareness or of consciousness as real as our waking state. Like when we dream, is that just as real as us waking? And that's why he's taking these these wholison, hallucinogenic drugs here in the seat uh, in the dep- deprivation tank, is to try and explore: can we push the human mind? And when Kirky was saying that when the that you first, re- when you finally got into the movie was when he turned into a monkey, like, there was actually something going on. I kind of disagree. It kind of happens earlier when he has blood coming from his mouth and he's unable to speak, like, and then they do the x-ray and then you discover that, oh, wait, his ribcage, his his skeleton is that of a gorilla. Like, yeah. you start to see the thing slowly sort of come into that. Yeah, but set all that up. In my, in my mind, that's him regressing and de-evolving into pro-magnon, like, an early state of humanity, Uh, and then in the the final sort of, I guess, hallucination, visual sort of trippiness that happens, he goes further into humanity's sort of uh, evolution and becomes something that doesn't even have a physical form.
2: Like, it's just
4: something that's just full of these... Things that we can barely even process.
2: And that might have been what it was, Jake. Like, when he turned into a monkey, I have a frame of reference for that. I understand what they're saying, like, where he's going. Like, I don't understand what, like, static person is. You know what I mean? Like, at the the end, when he just all these – like, I don't know what that means. And maybe that's why it lost me, because I can wrap my head around the fact, okay, he has de-evolved, like, an earlier version of man. And, that, and and that and maybe that's why I, I like that better because I had a grasp on it. But it was just like those weird special effects, there may there may be something I just don't understand that that represents. Mm-hmm. Because but you said like that's going so far back and that's so esoteric and so like just theoretical that yeah. like I, no, I get that you know what I mean I didn't know I, I'm like okay what does this even mean now I, I didn't have anything like what I does it like, mean like, when he like turns
4: his wife into a yeah uh, the like human torch you know? yeah exactly <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: yeah um. Can somebody explain the ending for me?
1: I felt like this
0: was a YouTube video that I need to see as Altered State expl- ending explained because I'm going to be honest I don't know. He's just living with it at this point. Like, this is just the world. Well, at we that doing? point
4: he doesn't need the, hallucin- the hallucination yeah, I can't even say it. The, the mushroom to like to, to, to transition to, to just thing. do what he's doing. At that point he's done it enough times where he can do it on its own like and it sort of starts to to have that process and i think it's him just fighting it and sort of maintaining control and like ignore and like fighting it and that also helps helps him fight like with his wife because withdraw from essentially drugs, is about a, it's about a man connecting with a woman like that's what the whole movie is essentially about like he's so at the beginning he's so fixated on his work that like even when he mar- even like when he's early in the the schizophrenia research like he meets emily and they have two kids but then there's a bit of a time jump and he they're now like on the brink of divorce, like you have the conversation with Bob Balaban and his wife, and it's like things are now strange. He's so like fixated on his work that he doesn't even care about his wife. Like that's sort of what I got is that there's an emotional disconnection between him and humanity. Like he has this whole thing with his father and his parents and how they died. And he sort of lost his faith in God. There's a whole religious sort of like allegory and symbolism in the movie. as oh, well. there's I'm a lot of
3: religious undertones. I mean,
4: you see hell. You see, like, just visually hell, or at least how he views hell in sort of his sort of, like, knowledge of it. But the whole movie is about him sort of connecting with his wife. And, and I mean, it's corny in in general, but, like, in this movie, it's, like, love conquers all. It's a very much, like, connecting and finally being with someone that you love. And, like, at the end, like, he does I mean, throughout the movie he never even says, like, I love you. It's, it's only until the end when he, like, finally admits that, like, he's in love with Emily. And they sort of have that. That's why the ending is just the two of them, like, naked. Like, they, they finally have uh, – he finally admits that he loves her and has a human connection.
0: Okay. So we're going to go around and get scores for Alter State. Um, Jake, what's the score?
4: Uh, I think I was going to give this four stars, but honestly, I'm giving it four and a half stars. I love this movie. Yeah. Highest of the night, guaranteed. Um, Tim?
3: Uh two from me. Um, Kirk, you're muted.
2: I'm floating between two and two and a half. Um, like I said, I respect the movie. Like I said, it, it gave a lot to chew on, um, and a, you know a lot to think about. Um, but just you know, from from what I was able to take away from it, I, I'll probably end up at around two and a half.
1: Uh, Brian. Uh, this is a solid one for me.
0: Uh, this is a half star for me. Wow. Uh, I told you that. I, wow. I had a miserable time, and I'm sorry for that. I just I um, If I have to watch something after the movie about to understand shit, uh, to, and I'm not, Zach Ford, my brain's not that complex. I can't understand shit. But maybe if I took the drugs in this movie, I would get it. Um, okay, so we're so going on to our second-to-last movie of the night. Um, we are going 12 Monkeys. Tim, take it away.
3: Um, yeah, I picked this because um, I've been wanting to watch this for a really, really long time. Um, just on the um, like the notoriety of it, I honestly didn't know much about it. I know there's like a TV show that has been made since... Um, but like I just I had heard a lot of things about it, and I've always wanted to watch it. I bought it um, recently on 4k, and I had actually decided, you know to pop it in and, and start it. And then Cody added me to the green room and I was like, you know what? This will just be my <laughs> movie. like great. So I threw it in and I loved this movie. I, I really did. Um, it it kind of follows some generic maybe at this point like sci-fi tropes but i feel like it's done really really well i loved bruce willis in this i thought he was fantastic um really like brad pitt as well um but i just i thought bruce willis like as kind of this like you know guy who is being sent like back in time forward in time back in time to try to stop like a um kind of like revolution thing, almost like it was just really interesting. Like, and I thought just the way that the, like the sci-fi elements were, were done really impressive. And this is Terry Gilliam Gilliam or Gilliam. I don't Gilliam. know. Um, who I honestly didn't know anything about um, until Maggie and I watched uh, the Fisher King, which I also really, really loved. That movie is incredible. Um, and I didn't even realize that he was like a Monty Python guy until I saw that movie. And so then to see this, I, I was super impressed. I, I just, um, like I said, I, I love science fiction and I thought that this was just kind of like the perfect vehicle uh, for Bruce Willis and kind of the way that he's like losing his mind almost but also just like trying to figure out like the mystery of everything that's going on the whole time like i i just i just wound up really really enjoying it and um i i was super surprised because like i said the whole the whole time I, i've heard of this movie like i've seen it at you know stores growing up and, and rental stores and 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 best buy and whatnot and then i finally decided to pick it up on the 4k and um finally give it a chance and now i want to go and explore the show and rewatch the movie and kind of see like um if it can be expanded upon at all because i found the story just so interesting and the characters all really really great and again i think um i didn't know this until after the movie was over and i actually messaged cody uh again bringing up coho of like brad pitt was nominated so that means she's like the best like i didn't know any of that going into it i just You know, watched the movie, thought uh, Bruce Willis was incredible, and then um, afterwards found out that, you know, Pitt had been nominated and um, really, really liked both of their performances. And that, that, honestly, like, Bruce Willis is one of those guys where, like, if he's in the right role, he is such a good actor. Like, uh, this Pulp Fiction, like, the first Die Hard, like, I just... I really like Bruce Willis, and I think this was one of those movies that like kind of even proved it to me more that like in his element, he is such a good actor. Um, I was shocked how much I liked this by the end of it. And even though the ending is kind of telegraphed from the beginning, like I'm I'm a dumbass. Like I talk about that a lot when I talk about movies where like I don't see twists coming often. And so like I, I had a guess. But when it happened, I was still like, oh. I'm like, oh, man. So, yeah, I really, I as you can tell, I really enjoyed this one.
0: Um, this movie's been on a watch list for a really long time.
3: Um,
0: uh, and I don't know why it's been on a watch list for a really long time. Um, and I, I'd say that I, I like a lot of elements of this movie. I really did. Um, the problem resides with the director. I've just decided I, I, I'm not a huge fan of his work. Um, everybody knows how I feel about Monty Python, um, The Fisher King, which a movie that I should really just like be my movie and love. I think it like the world it creates is like too much, and I think that's the problem in this movie for me a lot. Like it's just like, maybe tooth like, I know it's futuristic, I know that stuff, so I'm not trying to, like, nitpick that stuff, but, like, even that stuff was, like, over and where the camera was shot and, like, stuff, it was just, like, a lot of the over-the-topness for me that just drew me, like, made me, like, question, like, why the fuck we, why does he have to go, like, like, it just extra shit that didn't matter. I love the story of it. The story of it made it really interesting. I, uh, I, that's what made me, like, fall more into it but like and brad pitt's character and like those different elements and i love that it was just it never it never clicked like perfectly like where it could go for me um so that was my problem with it um you're curious everybody else's thoughts 12 monkeys i know some of you guys have already seen the movie before is that right like with yeah kirk and brian you've seen it
2: right I saw it when it first came out, you know, so, I mean, it's again, it's been forever for me. And I, I'm glad Tim picked it because this has been on my rewatch list for a while. Because um, the first time I saw it, like, I didn't know, like, I didn't know who Terry Gilliam was when this movie came out or, you know, anything about him. Um, but that's, I mean, I, Gilliam overall of what I've seen is hit or miss. Like, I don't always love his movies, but I do like his style. Um, I like the the Dutch angles and the and, and the wonky, just the way everything's kind of like you know, the unreality of it. Uh, and that's one of the things I. because most of the time, again, the movie I compared this to the most was Brazil because it has like that dystopian future kind of feel to it. But that movie and a lot of his other movies, at least the ones I've seen, always have like kind of a little more like comedic or satiric tone. Uh, and this had that, but it was more of a, a serious story. Um, so I like that his aesthetic uh, put to a more... Uh, not grounded story, but just more, you know, uh, like dramatic story. Um, and I just love, I, I, I love the fact that, you know, the, the future obviously was completely bonkers, but even the, the, the past, like the, the modern day stuff, uh, which should have just been like normal things was still had like that Terry Gilliam look in there. Like there's a, there's a scene in the, uh, in the, in the, I think it's at the mental hospital when he's running away and there's a guy working on the ceiling, like he's doing like light bulbs or something. And instead of being on a ladder, he's on stilts. Like he's walking around on stilts changing light bulbs. It's just like the weirdest thing is like what? And that's like just like that Terry Gilliam flair that I love. Um, but I, I I really so I really appreciate it for that. I love Brad Pitt in this. Um, I could see why like some people might not like it, might just be off-putting. Um, but I just love what Brad Pitt was doing like in the mid to late 90s, like just the choices he was making mm-hmm. and just how crazy he goes with the eye, some of the best middle figures in cinematic history he's throwing out here. Um, he, he's just so much fun. I think and I think he's a really good, uh, a, a really good foil for Bruce Willis's character, and I just love the opposing arcs of Bruce Willis and Mel Stowe. Where he, you know, like she starts out saying he's crazy, and like they kind of like cross, where he's starting to think, and he's starting to think he's crazy, and, or he's starting to think what he believes is crazy, and she's starting to believe all of it. Uh, I think is really cool, and just the idea of him wanting to be crazy. Because if he's crazy, it means, you know, the, the the horrible future he lives in isn't real. I thought it was really cool, too. So, um, yeah, a lot of fun with that. I really enjoyed it.
1: Glad I got to so, watch it. So I had also seen it back when it first came out. I've seen it several times since then as well. Um, Terry Gilliam is, an, is a director uh, who who and also an actor back in like Monty Python and stuff that I always like. Because I, I love the Monty Python stuff. Um there's some of his 80s stuff I'm not as into. And actually most of his like 2000 and on stuff I'm not into, but I think the 90s were like his prime. I think with Fisher King, I absolutely loved. And then this one and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas are I think it's three best movies. And so I think this was like smack in the middle of his prime. Um not counting the Monty Python stuff of course. Uh but so but I mean I he's also a director who I fully understand if people aren't into his style cuz it definitely is there's a definite Terry Gilliam style. It's a it's a whole surrealism kind of thing going on. There's kind of like tim burton if you watch a movie you know it's a tim burton movie you know you watch this you know it's a terry Gilliam movie i uh, just in the style of it but i mean i like that because i had loved i'd love fisher king so i i knew going in i'd probably like this and i very much did um the cast i thought was great because like bruce willis this came out the same year as uh live free or die hard i'm not live free uh die hard of the vengeance and then with brad pitt brad pitt was just coming off of you know all of his long hair pretty boy roles in legends of the fall and interview the vampire and all this stuff and he's becoming this big you know pin up and everybody thought he was the dreamiest actor. So what did he do? He like chopped off all his hair, put in a wonky eye and started acting like a psycho. And I thought that was great. It's kind of like I've talked about da- lately with Daniel Radcliffe. It's like, you know, they they said, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, uh, typecast and pigeonholed. I'm going to take this image of people have of me and throw it away and just do, pick crazy projects. And I think Brad Pitt did a great job at this point of kind of turning and really prolonging his career by, by making these kind of choices. Um, but yeah, I really like that. Um, there's a, a great... Uh, if you like feature-length documentaries there's one made about this movie called uh, the hamster factor and another 12 other fact another tales of the 12 monkeys um if you want to see that check it out it's on like the dvd and stuff if you, i don't know if you have a library has it something like that it's probably somewhere online but it's uh because terry Gilliam does not work well in the studio system uh, so it's a lot of conflict going on there uh if you' ever seen lost in la mancha you see it goes on there too but uh yeah i, I really enjoy this movie
4: um i had not seen this movie before uh this is like something that I, I feel like i should have discovered like 10 years ago honestly um but uh no th- i i loved this movie this movie was like incredible i'm a big fan of just movies that deal with the concept of time you know like time travel movies is its own subgenre genre of, of science fiction and this movie does play with the ideas of changing the past and can we actually change the past is there the whole God, the grandfather paradox that whole stuff I thought was really interesting. The thing that I didn't really know about the movie is that it's also playing with reality and sort of just the ideas that with Bruce Willis and the fact that he's in the mental hospital and he's just like, as the movie goes on, he is like, he is questioning himself and is anything actually happening? It kind of, a weird comparison, but it reminded me, there's a couple of scenes in Moon Knight where you start to think, oh, is this just all in his head? Is he just coming up with everything? Um, And that's sort of what it reminded me of with 12 monkeys in the sense that like, oh yeah, this whole plot, you've created this in your head, you gave the idea to Brad Pitt, like with the 12 monkeys, and sort of the idea that it plays with, oh, wait a minute, is this just a self-fulfilling prophecy? Like, are we just destined to repeat our, our failures? And I thought that was definitely the most interesting aspect for me. And can we, I mean, the whole idea between free will and predetermination, like, are we able to control our destinies or is this just fixed. Are we just destined to just make the same mistakes again? Um, really, really enjoyed that. Um, I, yeah, I think Brad Pitt's also really like just, he's fantastic. Um, it's weird because Brad Pitt, like just most of the times, and he's pretty good at it, but like a lot of his roles, he's playing Brad Pitt. Like I love him in once upon a time in Hollywood, but he's just just playing like just a slightly more interesting Brad Pitt if he was a stunt actor in that sort of sense. Um, but I love him in this. I think he's just really playing a character. And I think that is like the right time for him to be able to play a character like this because uh, post 2000, when he's, you know, did the height of Rangelina and he's making movies where he's himself generally, like the action, like the Oceans movies, he's just playing just a, a, a character that's very much like him. Uh, I think it's just great to see him really show why he is one of the most, like, biggest actors in Hollywood right now, and the way he's able to play this, like, psychotic character I thought was really interesting. Um, Yeah, and I thought this movie just had a lot that I really am really interested in, and just the idea of time and can we
1: change things is,
4: is really interesting to me.
1: There's actually one of my favorite moments of the movie. Kirk was talking about how, you know, how uh, Bruce Will's character is starting to think that, you know, maybe he was crazy after all. And and Madeline Stowe's starting to believe, start to believe everything. But then there's that moment where she goes and, and leaves the vested message on the voicemail for the carpet cleaning service. And she goes back and goes, it, we're fine. We're right. It was, it was all, it, none of it's real, all this stuff. And she starts saying the message and he knows it. And at that point you see on his face, he realizes, oh shit, it yeah. was real. This all happened." And, he, and where he was all happy also, he's just like, oh. And that was one of my favorite moments in the movie, that kind of twist to it. I also loved, I mean, we're talking spoilerific here, but uh, if the end of the movie where, you know, you find out that Brad Pitt's thing wasn't even what it was about. And it turned out to be the whole other character. And then that last moment on the plane, which kind of shows that, well, wait, Bruce Willis actually did something because now maybe things will be prevented.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, uh, kind of ambiguous ending there. With, uh, that was, I'm an insurance, it's a great ending. Insurance, yeah. (laughs) I think, I see what happens
4: next, yeah.
0: I just think it's interesting, yeah, like how Kirk was like, I love the style of Terry Gilliam, like that. And it's the stuff that drove me absolutely bonkers in this movie. (laughs) And like the overkill of stuff, like we're futuristic, but we're going to like over the top and like how it's shot. That was my only takeaway. But overall, the concept of the movie I think was actually a brilliant way. And I would like to see, like, I know it's weird, but maybe like. Not saying a remake or whatever, but I see where this could go like different places, it's something else in that universe. Has anyone watched the series?
1: i never watched. That's obviously. why I, I want to
3: watch the series because I want to see somebody else's take on the story. And if it's it it's
4: interesting because this is actually a remake or partially inspired. Yeah, they, there's film. a French short film called Le Chate, I think it's the 60s. I can't remember the an experimental short. It's essentially just still photography, and that's how it presents the story. Like a, well, not like a collage, but just like here's the shot. Here's a shot. No motion. It's just just photography as the short. Um, and I believe, uh, what's the, is it Universal that did this? What's the, yes. I can't remember. I yeah. So, yeah. Universal got the rights and they were like, Terry Gilliam was a big fan and he was like, I gotta make it to all monkeys. And then they wrote it and it's very much like, an American interpretation, but with an auteur filmmaker like Terry Gilliam. I like Terry Gilliam. Like I haven't seen a lot of, I haven't seen all of his movies, but like the ones I've seen, I like Munchausen and Fear and Loathing, Las Vegas is one of my favorite movies, ever. And I think that, you know, surprise. Um, And I think that he really added something interesting to this movie that a lesser filmmaker would just like completely ruin with the source material and the script.
1: Fear and Loathing is psychedelic and right.
2: <laughs> this speed up. This this was a great double feature with altered states. Watch these two back to back. a lot of fun! I have. I I, world I, world. C-
0: I could I couldn't disagree with you more. Um, except the the prog- the the quality went up. Um, my thing is um, was with this the this, last one you watched, uh, Cody? No, no, no. My last. I just rewatched. I rewatched my movie uh, right at the end. Um, It's the last one I needed to. Not really. I needed to watch. I just did it. Um, No. The interesting thing about this one is, uh, um, oh, this is this is a movie that I feel like more people. I'm surprised more people haven't seen like we're talking on call like three of us never saw it but think of the cast the sci-fi elements everything along with it there's not a time in blockbuster that i did not see the 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 dvd or the vhs of the 12 monkeys i i know i probably know this poster better than most posters out there because of that eye. it's like it has always been burnt in on like and i have and again that was 20 years ago And I still hadn't seen it until somebody brought it around to. So, really interesting how it plays into it. I think it's interesting just how Terry Gilliam, like the movies he makes, he creates a world that is, it's very, the way I feel it, and it's not a shot at it, which coming from me sounds like a shot. It's like a Tim Burton esque, like like the, the world he's able to build and stuff, like the crazy stuff he's able to go with. It's very Tim Burton esque for me reason why i don't like it yes art house tim burton is the best way to put it um but no i would love to see like more in this world i I think it's a very interesting way um concept
3: of where it's going um get overall scores for 12 monkeys uh tim uh four stars i could see it going up on rewatch but uh four for now i really loved it
0: i swear i saw four when he Logged it the first time, but apparently it was not him. It was the wildest thing. When he brought this up, I was like, "You already logged the movie, but it wasn't him. Somebody else in this community watched all monkeys at the same time." Um, Jake,
4: uh, I'm torn between four and four and a half. Like, I really, really like this movie a mm. lot, um, and I, I, I imagine I would get more out of it on a second viewing. Um, yeah, like I mean, it's. I think for now, I'll just play it safe and say four stars. Like I got a lot out of it and I think I might get more now that I know what I'm getting myself into and I could pay attention to certain details because the way the, the movie plays out, it's definitely going to, you get a lot more on a, on multiple viewings uh, when you know how, like when the, with the shit with the graffiti and like with the phone calls, I'll be able to be tuned in more into that knowing what's going to come later. So I'm going to say four stars.
0: Um, besides his British comedies, um, Terry Gilliam keeps with his three and a half streak with me. It's three and a half for me. Um, Kirk? Uh,
2: it'll be three uh, and a half for me right now. Uh, if I go back to it, which I hopefully will, you know, we'll take another 20 years for me to get back to it. Um, it'll probably, it's very likely to go up. It's going to be three and a half for now.
1: Brian? Uh, I already had mine rated in a letterbox. You already know mine's four stars. <laughs> so it's a long, but, ago. you know
0: audience. Um, so our last movie we will be talking about is Doubt. Uh, Doubt is a movie that I brought in. Um, uh, it's the person I have to credit to is uh, Caleb Boatman. Uh, Caleb Boatman told me to watch this. I once ended my night watching this. Um, very bad idea for me. Um, it was uh, a movie that I didn't want to like really um, go to sleep on. Uh, but Doubt is... Uh, the reason why I picked it is I think it is just a movie that I would like more people to see and talk about. Um, because as the title things, I think it, it leaves you with some questions, some doubts, some thoughts, like how you overall feel how the movie went. Um, and I think the three, uh, the three leads as you could basically call them with one scene. Viola Davis is absolutely incredible. Um, I just think overall, uh, when I watched this, I thought just this movie is so much about creating like tension and like, uh, I wouldn't say suspense, but like uneasiness about every situation that is put in front because it never gives you clear answers. It dances around all the answers on there, but doesn't give you like a clear one. Um, uh, you basically have two, like, alphas, kind of, with Streep and Hoffman of their own different area. One of uh, the older rules are put in place for a reason uh, and kind of like a modern priest at that time uh, wanting to kind of change the church in the ways, um, which makes Meryl Streep look into more of his stuff that he does with a fine-tooth comb and create some doubt in the character while amy adams is new and just looks for the best and everything and then all those worlds kind of combine um with it so overall uh, initial thoughts from everybody will you know just when you feel inclined go ahead and talk about that um,
2: i watch oh
0: go
3: ahead kirk go
2: ahead uh i watched this the first time for your top 100 and i really enjoyed it i thought it was a really great movie so i, I went back and watched it again just for the show just to really make sure i was fresh on it um my favorite thing about this movie is how it handles the characters just the nuance to it uh before i'd watched it the first time i really didn't know anything about it i knew it was about you know the catholic church or some kind of scandal so i start watching it and uh you know they they're setting uh meryl streep up and she you knows she's very harsh and she's hard on the kids and everything and I'm like, okay, it's a movie and you have the, you know, older conservative religious authority figure. Obviously, she's going to be the villain. She's going to be the one covering it up. You know, Amy Adams is going to come in as the, you know, the, the young, you know, bright-eyed person looking to chase things. And she's going to be the one going up against that. And the point at which it is, there's a certain scene where Amy Adams and uh, Streep are together. And you realize that Streep's going to be the bulldog going after this and trying to, you know, make things right, uh, at least in her eyes, that really subverted the expectation. I think it's cool because you really don't see, that, you know, those kind of character stuff in any way. I don't know if you would call her the protagonist in this movie, but someone who's looking to do the right thing. Um, most of the times in modern movies, you're not going to see that with a character like that. So I, re- I really appreciated that. Um, and just the performances between, you know, the, the scene, there's two scenes basically, Uh, with Streep and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman together, and they just blow it out of the water, man. They are just so good. Uh, And just the two of them going at it. Like you said, Cody, like you're never given everything. You're just really getting their viewpoints on it. Like you never get the objective truth to it. And just watching them dance around that is just so beautiful. Um, And it's just the movie is paced so well. Watch it the second time. I'm sitting, it gets to one of the scenes at the end. And I'm thinking I've only been watching this for a half hour how's it already here and the movie was almost over that's how fast it breezes by just because yeah. of perfectly based. it's based on a play and you can tell it's based on a play in the best possible ways um just the way it's it's framed out and just the way the, how thematically how it works um just how much just every like line of dialogue every scene is just plays into the themes and the different characters and where the, the, their viewpoints and where they stand um so yeah I mean
3: it's the perfectly crafted movie yeah, yeah I, I kind of. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't. I don't like. I talk about it too much, but like, I I consider myself a very religious person. I'm not Catholic, but like, I consider myself very religious, and like, so these types of movies always like pique my interest big time because like, I I like to see kind of like a deconstruction of religion and like, um, the the pros and cons and like the people that put themselves into it and whatnot and and any and honestly cody cody's been telling me to watch this movie for two years like i think it was during the pandemic that he watched it for the first time and was like dude you would love this movie and i just haven't gotten around to it um but finally i was so i was happy to really finally watch it and um philip seymour hoffman fucking like what a disaster that we lost him when we did because like he is such a good actor like there there are times when like I watch a movie and I go you know, this guy sucks like I could act better than this guy like come on like I acted in high school like I was in theater like come on and then you watch a movie like this where him and Meryl Streep in that scene towards the end when they are just going at each other for 20 minutes straight where it's insanity how good they both are. and there's just not many Philip Seymour Hoffman roles I have yet to witness. There's only a few left, and i'm I'm honestly a little sad that like I don't get to experience this one for the first time again because the movie was really powerful and like in what in its uh execution and uh performances and I, I think I was expecting I was talking to Boatman about it um. I was expecting Amy Adams to be the lead for some reason, just going into it. I had based off, I don't know what the poster or something going on, like on in my brain. I just assumed she was the lead of the film. And then when I kind of realized it was going to be more, you know, Hoffman V Streep, um, it actually worked for me super well. Like Streep is so good in this and that, Like I said, that final scene between Hoffman and Streep and then the final scene between Streep and Adams, like, those two in conjunction with each other are just, like, incredible. And um, I love when a movie is based off of a play and it feels right like this one. Um, Maggie, like, hates that. She's like, oh, it feels like," like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom like that was one where like we walked down we were like you could tell that was based off of a play like I, i'm not a big fan of that uh but then something like this where it was like they took advantage of like the um the settings and the and the the story for film um i thought it worked really really well i i this this one affected me big time i i really liked this and even though the I guess they're kind of similar, but also like from different perspectives, like it gave me a lot of spotlight vibes just based on like the, the subject material, like obviously spotlights from like the investigative side of it, but just like any type of movie like this, where we're trying to uncover corruption inside of something. And the fact that Cody alluded to it, like the whole time you don't actually know if it's legit or not. Like you want to side with, Meryl Streep and Amy Adams, because you're assuming that that's the way that it's going to go, but you're never told 100% if that's the truth or not. And it's up to you to kind of uh say it. And I'm actually really interested to rewatch it because Boatman said that he's seen it quite a few times. And he said that every time he watches it, he comes away with it, comes away with a different idea at the end of it. And that's really interesting to me. So I'm looking forward to rewatching it to see if I have that same experience.
1: Yeah, I think they kind of they kind of punctuate that at the end when you know her last line is "I have doubts," you know, because even this person who's been been harping on it and chasing it the whole time, she's not even sure anymore. Um, I don't have a lot more to add. I, I, actually, Kirk uh, said most of everything I, I kind of agreed with. I think that that Streep uh, early on, like in her first appearances, I'm like I thought you know she's playing a little too cartoony, over the top, mean you know as she's the mean nun. So I kind of thought she was going to be like the villain or whatever, not villain, but the antagonist, and you know Amy Adams would be the 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 one who's you know on the side of right or whatever, but you know I, obviously that they completely subverted expectations and it became a much more it, she had a lighter uh, and more nuanced performance the rest of the film. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman I can acknowledge is a great actor. Uh, but he's a great actor who plays a lot of roles that I don't enjoy watching. <laughs> you know, he's he's always playing cringy or creepy or unlikable characters. So, so for me, I mean, my favorite character of his will always be Dusty from Twister because that's the, that's Philip the Seymour Hoffman I enjoy watching. <laughs> but uh, uh, the extreme. No, but um, so I mean, so, but the cast is great in this. Uh, I the subject matter I think is something I'm I'm not really into you know, deep, you know, dramas, especially when you get into like religion and things like that, those don't really appeal to me. But um, again, this is the kind of thing where you can just, I can, I can acknowledge that something is just extremely well done. You can tell it's based on a play, but again, in the best ways Um, I, I, I like that it, it didn't take a hardline stance of, you know, the church is turning a blind eye to this possible abuse, but it's not also just, it's not also saying, you know, Oh, they're taking care of it. It was more like, you know, yeah, he's leaving in June. Can we just let him diddle him till then? You know, it's kind of like, whoa, what's this uh, kind of weird approach they're taking? We're like, well, we'll just let it go because it's only like six more months. Um, so, but yeah, but this is a, a movie that is not anything I'm probably going to ever watch uh, on my own just for you know my own enjoyment. But uh, I I did enjoy what I saw, and and, and you know I can respect it as a great film. Um.
4: So I had never seen this movie until for this round table. Um, Yeah, this is a movie that I'd I'd heard about for years. And I think a a huge part of it is is Cody uh, advocating it and Boatman. And I, a lot of the Kingsmen also really into this movie. Um, I grew up religious. I grew up believing in God and I, my family, like that was a huge thing for us. And at the time, and I went to private schools and all that sort of stuff. I sort of kind of faded out and now I'm an atheist, but. I do like religious sort of movies and I like movies that deal with that sort of ideas and spirituality. Um, but this is a very good example of the type of movies that Cody likes and the type of movies that I like, like with Altered States and Doubt. Like I'm a big fan of movies that really push the medium of film and try to create an experience that you couldn't with any other
3: like medium.
4: Cody loves structure, loves just the performances and the dialogue and movies that really are about like actors and just, and with, with ideas and a story that is clear cut and one that you can easily follow. Now that doesn't mean that I'm a better film person than Cody or vice versa. Film, the great thing about film is that it's an art form. You can interpret
2: and take anything away from anything. That's a film. And I like yeah. that. Oh, sorry. Wait a second. I was to say, I did, I didn't interrupt you, but I did find a common thread between the two. Movies that you both picked, that there was like that search for objective truth, and is it there, and can it be found? So I found right, that yeah. thread between your two movies, even though they were so completely different. I found that commonality there between them.
1: I just love as you said that Cody's face was like what? Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was going to say that that like this is just a movie that I like, but it is not really a movie that I gravitate towards, like the same way that Cody with All States. It's just the type of movie that I just don't really care much for. I do think it was good. I like the performances. I think everyone is like stellar. Um, I think the, the dialogue is like the writing is, is great. Like just movies based on plays is just not really something that I'm interested in. I like movies that really push the, the medium of film and really go with everything from the cinematography and editing and directing. That's just something that I'm a, a big fan of and gravitate towards when it comes to films. But I do appreciate what oh. the is doing. Ooh. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I thought it had something. Um, but I really appreciate what the movie's doing and what it's trying to say and just the idea that, well, can you have doubt like especially a character like Streep and the way she just like fully believes in what she sees or what she believes, and can you have doubts about that? I think that's sort of an interesting sort of idea that this movie is is sort of uh like examining.
0: I think I think the main thing, and I won't talk too long of it because we got a hard out. But um, my thing is, um, I, this is such an interesting storyline too. With um, when you think about it, one with the in question at the time uh, this is happening, it's also civil rights at the exact same time. So, when Viola Davis is like brought in and says, Hey, I have questions about your relationship, your son's relationship with our priest. And her reaction was like, Just let it go. Like, drop what you're doing because if he can graduate from this, he's up, he can get into a better school and a better life thing. From our perspective as an audience, that's a shock and awe from parents. Like, what are you talking about? But I could never imagine being in that shoes. And her. Then what's your point? Like, what do you need from me? Like, if you get rid of the priest, leave my son out of it. Like, like that. That concept of it is brilliant to me. I love the scene where they bring in of talking about the Christmas play, and like That's the great. differences between mm-hmm. the two characters. Right where she's like, "I'll take more sugar," and was like. Oh, sweet tooth, huh? Yeah, kind of. And the stirring of the the cup, and you hear like all the motions, and like when Street brings up the kid's name, and Amy Adams like keeps pouring the tea because it's a like the awkward situation, and like him wanting to bring Frosty the Snowman into it, and the final, why did you did you bring me here for the Christmas play or this this yeah. And like when he's sitting there and talking about things, and she's like, What are you writing over there with your ballpoint pen? Um, and she's like, he's like, Oh, a sermon, intolerable. And like, you was like, Oh, it just comes to you like that. Like the tension is built off of that right then. And like when they're handing out the door, she's like, He's like, I do not like how you handled the situation at all. And like, it's just like this, like, the shots and like the body language in this movie tells so much. I didn't know the first time I watched it, that it was based on a play. It had that feeling, but I didn't look into it. I didn't go any deeper onto the movie. And yeah. I it turns out I'm a fan of movies that are like plays. Like I love fences. I love these movies that are very based on plays because I like that structure, like uh, Jake said. I like a beginning, middle, and I know where the finish line is, I know where we're gonna go. But when they have that um uh uh, when he walks into the church after the first questions arise, and the eye is there, and he is just, like, staring at the eye when he walks by, like, he like you still don't know. I love the breakdown at the end with Streep, and she's like, well, what do you mean? Like, what did you do? I have doubts. And they're like, what do you mean you have doubts? Like, you led this charge, and, like... Then that leaves you the questions: Did she lead the charge because she didn't like where he she was leading? He was leading the church because that's a common theme, like throughout religious like studies and stuff. So it's like this whole complex around it. I thought I think the movie is still brilliant. I've always well, I'm just glad more people got to watch it and see it. Um, but yeah, I just think there's so much tension built in like such a short runtime on the movie, yeah,
1: in such so sm-
0: weird, and. It doesn't, and it doesn't span like super like long. Like it's boom, boom, like pretty quick. And like I just, I I think it's brilliant. I I kind of see what I I don't disagree with Brian Hoffman does play just some unlikable fucking people. I like his more performances, but I'm with you on that. Like if you looked at his list of. Thing, like you're like, You just play some. You were typecast as awful people. I think that's why oh, I like. I think that's why he's one of my
4: favorite actors. Is that he doesn't have an ego. Like, he can play any character and be yeah. like, "Yeah, uh-huh. I'm going to commit." Like his before, I mean, not this different movie, but his character in Happiness is like oh. the most sleazy, <laughs> like disgusting character ever. And you and that movie. I know, right? <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just, really like, glad you didn't bring that one. No, oh God no. <laughs> Um, I would never, honestly. Um, but like, he can play <laughs> any character. I mean, I, I just like actors who will be in not necessarily our house, but will be in those type of movies like Happiness. But then he'll be the villain in Mission Impossible Three. Like, he has such a variety of like performances and like filmography. I really like that about actors um, when they can do something like that. And I think yeah, Hoffman's is just like so incredible. Um, so, th- we're gonna- go ahead.
2: I also say I think too what you're saying about how they set it up like all the things like, all like Frosty the Snowman, the ballpoint pen, all the things that make you that makes her question him, or at least what you know like Amy Adams calls her out later like you just don't like him because of those things, but like at the same time it's giving us reason to not trust her, you know because all those things like Frosty and the pet, like all that stuff is like just over the top things that like okay this person. Is coming from a place that we can't trust That's so a, well, like, it's, there's back. so many moving parts it's so
3: and to, to, to add to that of the moving parts the movie does make a point too of like early on showing like the way that the nuns like sit there and have their dinner yeah it's quiet maybe a discussion but it's quiet you you transition to the to the priests they're sitting there they're drinking alcohol they're laughing yeah They're making fun of other people in the congregation or parents or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so the movie almost paints it to make you like it makes it look at it like, oh, well, they're like the priests are being assholes. But then is it just like, well, is that just. How this religion is set up, or is this guy a fucking asshole? Yeah. Like- well, there's there's a it scene is. at the beginning too, and I know,
2: I picked up on this first time I watched it. I I don't want to go too long because I know we're gonna end soon. But there's that scene where he's giving that initial sermon on doubt, and he's talking about you know you know suffering through things alone, and yeah. he says nobody knows I'm sick, and they show that lady in the, in the they they go that cut to that lady in the in the, in the pew, and she kind of looks down. He's like nobody knows. I've just lost my best friend. They show that guy, and you can tell it's affected him. And then they said, he says nobody knows I did something wrong. And it cuts to him, and it just holds. So right mm-hmm. off the bat, the movies, the movie is like casting doubt on him, and like in his. Oh, motivation. interesting. That's so, really cool. And that's yeah.
0: And that's some of the stuff that Bowman brings up because when you watch it, those things yeah. like I didn't pay attention as much as when he walked through, and the eye is just. Like staring him down basically of like the eye of God like looking mm. down on what he's doing it like brings more like whenever you like Bowman's always asked like well who do you think and I was like I'm still the I'm still I've been on the side of street and I've been on Strive the strand of Hoffman numerous times mm. it's back and forth I think it's I, I think it's a, a movie well, the reason why I go to it a lot is because of those subject matters I think it's very interesting and again I like those kind of movies um we'll get scores and then we'll wrap it up um, I'll start it's five for me I've watched this movie now four times I, I it's it's absolutely my cup of tea it's everything I want in kind of a movie in uh, under two
4: hours so it's nice um we'll go Jake what's your score? Uh, I liked it I'm gonna give it three and a half it might go up on a second viewing like what I mean just based on what Coke was saying it just made me go wow okay there are things that I can pick up on a second viewing it's um, like subject subject stuff the subject matter yeah um, but I, I do like it not as much as everyone but maybe i'm i'm going to assume but i'm going to give it three and a half stars
0: dude three and a half with you that's a win for me um brian i'm also a three and a half
2: total win and uh kirk uh it's a four right now um i am going to be i know people i want to show this to and i want to re-watch I a 15. It show it again so
3: uh this could definitely go up to four and a half yeah, right. right. it's like a 15. Tim. <laughs> Um, I'm at a four right now. Um, I could, this is 100% a Tim movie. So this, this could go up to a five. I, I want to show it to Maggie. I want to watch it with her. Um, so, uh, I'll be watching it again, uh, it, within the next year or so. And maybe it'll go up then.
0: Um, so how I'm going to end the show every week since we tape a month in advance I also plan my shows a month in advance so we also have another one so I'm just going to bring up the full five movies that we will have on our next episode of the round table after it airs we'll probably put that graphic of the round table up also Um, but it's going to be coming out in December so the movies that I've selected from the panel uh, we have uh, Targets uh, 1968 Targets um 1994, The Paper. Uh, 2014, Phoenix. Uh, the Death of Stalin. Uh, oh. 2000, from 2017, and the Happiest Season from 2020. Um, oh. the Christmas, Eve. Um So around Christmas time, I picked that. Uh, the people on the panel for that will be uh, Brian Michaels, Scott Harvey, me, uh, Thomas Scully, and oh my gosh, uh, Mike Hanley. Mike Hanley. So you can kind That's of decide what movie to pick. Mike Hanley picked that. Which one everybody picked. Um, it's going to be a great time. Again, I love doing the show. So uh, thank you all the floor for being on. We'll all be on a future episode again. Um, yeah. We'll catch you next week or next month. Next month.